When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Car Stuff. My name is Ben. Just single name, huh? Yeah. You're like a superstar? No, no. Like Cher? Um... Oh, man, you put me in a spot. Why don't <laughs> right. you tell the good folks your name? All right, my name's Scott Benjamin. <laughs> okay. Two names. All right, I'm, I'm Ben keeping Bolin. Keeping it grounded. Keeping it grounded. Keeping it grounded. Thank you for keeping me grounded. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, we're going to do something a little bit different from our uh, usual MO today. Right, Scott? That's right. So we have often come across some amazing, weird stuff in the course of researching one topic or another. Mm-hmm. And... We realized earlier, uh, last week I think it was, that we've been running into a lot of luxurious stuff, a lot of what is the most expensive something or other. People find it interesting. Yeah, it is I mean, interesting. I mean, you know, the, a lot of people are bargain hunters. Yeah. I'm, I myself am one. I try to find, uh, you know, something that's safe but, you know, not as expensive as maybe the top end. Right. And, uh, you know, I guess that's a good way to say it, right? Safe. I mean, it depends on what you're buying. I think the the euphemism I use often is reasonable. Yeah, it's reasonable. That's, that's right. very that's reasonable. Right. Yeah, we're both cheap. Let's just say <laughs> we're both we're both kind of cheap, right? Now right. these these lists tend to amaze me in that you know the, these uh, the, these high end items mm-hmm. a lot of times. And we we mentioned this earlier because we were we were talking about this topic this morning before we came in here, right? And there's a point, Ben. I think where it gets beyond. Um, um, Beyond function, functionality. Yeah, I was just going to say function. You know, like it's not really you're buying something that um, is so expensive that there's nothing more to it than just saying that I have the most expensive whatever it is. Right. Um, it's it becomes prestige. It becomes uh, you know a status. status symbol. It's just uh, it's it's decadent. Decadent is an excellent word. Mm-hmm. I uh, I want to be clear that uh, you and I are not trying to point any fingers or say anybody is. Wasting money. We just thought that this list of the world's most expensive 
automotive gear, automotive related stuff. Everything automotive. Everything automotive would be interesting uh, to you guys, and we hope you enjoy some of the crazy stuff we're going to yeah, tell one, you. One other thing, no yeah. sour grapes here, by the way. I mean, I, oh, yeah, I think no. I think if you can afford this stuff, all the more power to you. Absolutely. I mean, you've obviously done something correct or right in your life, and uh, and and you deserve this. And it is tough to be happy, and if you're doing something that makes you happy and doesn't hurt other people, more power to you. Exactly. Right? Now, Doug, keep all that in mind when you hear these numbers, because... <laughs> Holy yeah. cow, Ben! These these some of these things uh, just outlandish to me. Now I'm going to express uh, some disbelief to it. Uh, uh, let's just say everything here on this list, right, on this list right, because right. it's not just cars. It's not just um, you know, I, I guess certain car it's, it's, parts. It's or not something. it's not like you know the most expensive car radio or something like that. Right. This kind of is further reaching than that. It goes to to components. Uh, it goes to accessories. It goes to um, uh, services. We're getting weird. Yeah, with yeah. It. We're, we're going to get weird with this. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to get a little weird. It's going to get a little weird. Okay, yeah. so let's kick it off with something kind of uh, grounded, I would guess, mm-hmm. something that could apply to the average listener in the United States. Uh, where do you think your auto repair costs are going to be the most expensive? Well, the top five places uh, are going to be in this order, or, uh, you know, cheapest of the top five. Okay. Number five Arizona. If your check engine light comes on, it's going to cost you an average of $362.65 to fix it. And then uh, next up would be Montana. Not that much more expensive. Uh, Then California. Then Utah. Number one most expensive state on average for auto repair costs, Wyoming. I never would have guessed that. I never would have either. I would have thought maybe Hawaii or you're saying You're saying a check engine light comes on. Mm -hmm. You take it in and... This is the average cost that's paid by the uh, by the consumer, right? And okay. so the methodology is na- is pretty narrow mm-hmm. there. So this is perhaps not the best measure of it, but on average, that's the most expensive place okay. in the U.S. That not, somehow not levels it in a way. I mean, I understand that there could be a variety of things wrong with the vehicle right. when you when you get there. Yeah. But uh, but this one cause that brings people in that's a, they they mark down on the service uh, mm-hmm. service bill. Right. Why you brought the vehicle in? So that's that's one way to say, okay, this is how we're going to qualify all these, mm-hmm. and this is what we're going to use for our our standard across these states. And it makes sense okay. because there there are issues with uh, you know cars can be such a case by case basis. Yeah. Now we're talking a couple hundred bucks. Reasonable. That's very well. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in comparison to the rest of this list, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, compared to what we are going to get to. Speaking of. Uh, the world's most expensive parking space. Some people may remember that you and I did a podcast on this earlier. We did. And when we did our original par- uh, most expensive parking space podcast, uh, the world record holder was a spot in Boston. It was like $300,000. Yes. That record has been broken. Really? Yes. This is a single parking, parking this space. This is a single parking spot. Okay. Well, it, it has potential, though. Okay. I'll go on. Uh, so... New York City, mm-hmm. did you see that coming? I kind of did. $1 million. No way. $1 million for a parking spot. It's an enclosed single garage, so at least it's not out on the street, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this is about twice the height of an average space. So if the person who buys this wants to park, I don't know, both of their Bugattis in the same spot, <laughs> they could build a, a car elevator. Um, or you and, could have a lift. Yeah, I've seen those lifts. Yeah, Park you could one build underneath. A lift, right? Yeah. 
And there's a very interesting thing. The Post, the New York Post did an article on this, and they said that this $1 million price tag, um, not only is it six times the price of an average house in the United States at the time, but it uh, buying this spot is the same as paying a $115 ticket for legal parking every day for 24 years. Oh, good grief. And it's not even, uh, here's another record holder, the most expensive parking lot. I saw this article. I thought this was kind of um, kind of a roundabout thing. It's it, it's a smart aleck thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're saying technically the most expensive uh, parking lot in the world is the uh, is owned by the United States. It's mm-hmm. a parking lot that costs four point five billion. It's the USS Ronald Reagan. Oh, what? The carrier. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> the aircraft carrier. Here's why. Because when uh, sailors have to relocate. Yeah. They park the this is where people would park the cars. So like 3000 US sailors are going to be making their home in Bremerton. This is an example from the article, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh the Reagan's home port and they're bringing their cars with them. Okay, I'm going to make a note here to dis- disqualify this one from the Yeah, list. I thought I thought it was funny, but it's <laughs> it's funny. really more the it's, way it's it's, it's funny in how people see different things. Like they can right. they can extrapolate this to be Again, an expensive parking spot. We're on the radio. I'm I you know, my mother might be listening, so I'm going to I'm going to take the high road and call it a smart Alec. Ah, very good. Alec. Yeah, Yeah. that's very nice. Very nice. So if somebody had maybe put one on like a vehicle on, uh, which I'm surprised never happened, on the space shuttle. Right. Uh, Then that would be the the most expensive. Oh, how about the lunar rover? Hey, oh, not it's on, bad. It's on the moon, right? Yeah. That's yeah. got to be expensive to get that thing up there. I mean, yeah, but the Curiosity uh, rover on Mars is really where you want to go oh, yeah, for exclusivity. Right. Okay, so okay, <laughs> so you can see where this is. But you know what? I, I was shuffling some notes here while you're talking because uh-huh. I, I went further down the list and I grabbed um, something that's related. What's that? Um, there's the world's most expensive garage. And oh, yes. this is in Britain. And I'll tell you right now, I'm looking at a photo of this thing. Not impressive. You showed me too. Not impressive. It's I was soot. thinking, tut, tut. It, it's covered with soot. It looks like it's uh, it's a, it's an ultra expensive residential area, from what this this article says. But the streets aren't clean. No, not clean, and the bricks are all dirty. They're just it's not impressive looking. It's got a black garage door on it. It's double wide, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the asking price for this garage, Ben, because someone's selling it independently. Let me brace myself. Eight hundred and forty-seven thousand dollars for this garage. Now. Is that the like the U.S. equivalent? Yeah, that's the U.S. equivalent. That's not in pounds. That's eight hundred and forty-seven thousand eight hundred and twenty dollars. That's U.S. dollars. Wow. All right. So it's in this you know little back street area called the Risebrack Street, I guess, which is uh, it's a double garage. It says it doesn't look like anything special from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a real estate company that's, sell- that's selling this thing because the the lister has gone through real estate agent, um, but it's the highest price tag ever charged for a garage. And it's about three times. I mean, just for this garage, it's three times the country's average house price. Wow! And so, you know, the average house price being about two hundred fifty-eight thousand three hundred eighty dollars. Now, you would think you get a huge garage for this, right? I was assuming the dimensions of this thing. They have it in meters here, but I've broken it down into feet. It's about twenty-one feet wide, not terribly wide, right? And about 15 and a half feet deep, which is not very deep. No, that's actually kind of shallow. So. Um, Boy, I don't know. I mean, I just don't think that it's it's. Uh, I personally don't think it's worth it. But now there's a quote here from the associate that's listing this. You know, okay. the, the real estate agent. 
Uh, he says it's an, an exceptionally valuable piece of property, and it's very rare for a freehold garage to be sold. So, um, Oh, I see. A garage not attached to... Um, a house as well. I something. would guess so because there's, you know, this is, you know, kind of a trend in that, that part of the world, I guess, because uh, there was an entire um, a block of garages that sold for about two million dollars recently. Wow. Um, and also uh, there was a a single, God, this is unbelievable, a flat roofed brick brick shed that was located in the Highgate Village of North London. Uh, that went on sale for $419,790. A shed? A shed. Hmm. Yep, just a shed. A simple shed, $419,000. So that's got to be a pretty exclusive area, and I would say that parking real estate has got to be, uh, ex- well, extremely rare. You know, one thing that's interesting about this, uh, I had traveled to uh, London briefly a few years back, and hmm. one thing I noticed is that Real estate is very much at a premium, hmm. so I think apparently, and and I think I might be on a different page with you because what I'm about to do is defend at least the real estate aspect of that. Okay, because it is quite possible that the people buying this garage don't necessarily intend for it to stay a garage again because real estate is at such a premium. Hmm. So maybe they've got some big plans. Well, they're going to tear it down and build the world's tallest. Thinnest condominiums. (laughs) I'm laughing, but you might be right. (laughs) I mean, the whole building dimensions will be 21 by 15 and Mm -hmm. a half. Well, let's assume then that they are getting their uh, garage just to be a garage. Well, if they have uh, the most expensive garage, then they can't settle for a run-of-the-mill car wash, can they? Absolutely not. You're right, Scott. Uh, They need the world's most expensive uh, car wash. This is uh, in Dubai. Uh, I'm not surprised by that for some reason. It is. Uh, it takes about a week. It's a, a it's week. More, it's more of a spa treatment for oh, your car. Oh no! I hope everybody hears my uh, finger quotes around my voice when I say spa. But uh, it costs uh, just around fifteen uh, grand a week, oh. and uh, the company Monza Ultimate Dealing and Protection uh, they only handle the top shelf automobiles. And there's plenty of them in Dubai. Yes. Do not bring your Geo Metro to this company for the world's think, best car. I don't wash. think there is a Geo Metro in Dubai. <laughs> Doesn't everybody drive supercars from what I've seen? I mean, that's from apparent. what we've that's, seen. That's that's the news reports here. There might be. You know what? There might be one. There maybe, might be one. Don't maybe, beat them up. Maybe. My but it's, dad, gold. it's gold plated. Did I tell you my dad had a Geo Metro? I think you did. My mom made him get rid of it. A three-cylinder Geo Metro. <laughs> my, my mother really did make him sell it. So uh, I okay. spent some time in a Geo Metro myself. So they uh, claim to have a cutting-edge uh, nanotechnology technique used to clean this. Sure they do. And uh, I want to go ahead and add to this. What a tragedy for you if you <laughs> already have one of the most expensive garages and you take it to one of the uh, – the most expensive car wash in the world, and you go out like a schmo with some run-of-the-mill car wax. Of course. That, my friend, is why you need the world's most expensive car <laughs> car wax. I'm sorry, it's cracking me up, Scott. Uh, the Bro and Hoerth uh, Definitive Wax Marble. We oh. mentioned this in another episode. I remember this, yes. Still holds the world record. Um, it cost uh, $37,000. $37,000. Thousand seventy dollars in U.S. dollars, so that's like twenty-four thousand pounds. Um, this is another U.K. creation. Um, 
There's only one on the marketplace. Just one. Just the one, man. So that's, hurry up and call you know them. That's what the, this is all about: exclusivity, right? That, that's part of what people are paying for. Yeah, yeah exclusivity. And we talked about, um, you know, some things that are that are extremely rare. Extremely, like uh, we talked about real estate in in yeah. London. You know, that's mm-hmm. just there's not much space there. You talked about how there's only one of these available. Um, that's what people are paying for. You're paying for exclusive. You want to be the one of a kind, right? Yes. Or you want to purchase something that's one of a kind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, so we've we've got some vintage cars. Ah, yes. Talk about, right? My favorite. Yeah. Now, these vintage cars, um, that's the thing. Like, they're not going to be making any more of these. So, mm-hmm. you know, whatever's out there is out there. And to begin with, if they were limited production, that makes them even more valuable. Now, right. I, I've been kind of messing around looking at old Cadillacs recently. And in 1959, they made, you know, n- they made 100 of a certain type. I, I forget if, I forget the type. It was a Brome. Okay. If I want to say Fleetwood Brome, I could be wrong on that. But, um one of them fell off the uh, fell off the dock into the ocean, so now there's 99 left. So it, just by that one falling off the dock made them more valuable to begin. I mean, there's only 100 to begin with. Right now there's one less. Mm-hmm. They're more valuable. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet, and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as time goes on, you know, there's maybe only, I'm going to guess, you know, 70 of them available now. Let's say that 29 have succumbed to, uh, you know, nature. Sure. Whatever. 
um, accidents, whatever. There's, Someone hasn't taken good enough care. Exactly, of it. they've disappeared. They're somewhere. Mm-hmm. They're somewhere away, but uh, far away. But um, just to give you an idea, like you know, they're the most expensive of that year. Yes. Okay. So let's say you got a car like a, a 1963 Ferrari 250 GTO. Wow. Now, Ferrari to begin with, right? Right. Okay, they only made 39 of these cars. That's a total production, 39. Hmm. They become very valuable in the eyes of collectors. So, you know, these things, when they when they sell, they make news. They make headlines. Right. Um, in 2012, uh, one of these was sold for the highest price ever for a vintage automobile at auction, $32 million. $32 million? $32 million on an auction <laughs> car. So, you know, I mean, obviously there's... Some exclusivity to this, you know, sure. that you'll be the only one that has one of these, or, or well, you'll be in good company. Yeah. Um, you know, the uh, other celebrities on this vehicle, other collectors of, of Ferrari automobiles collect these. Um, but, like, you know, the drummer for Pink Floyd, um, Nick Mason, mm-hmm. we've talked about his collection in the past. He yeah. owns one. Uh, DJ named Chris Evans, DJ Chris Evans. I don't know who that is. It just says it here. Uh, they they own the same type of car. There's a lot of Ferrari collectors that own these. You know that that have enormous Ferrari collections. Mm-hmm. This is just one car of their collection. And these are kind of a crown jewel, right? Exactly. Yeah. So this is a this is an important car. But uh, you know, there's there's a list of vintage cars that sell for above a million dollars. And on these lists, you know, I've got the top 15 here in front of me. I'm not going to read them all. I'll spare you the details. But um, nine of those 15 cars are Ferraris. Yeah, we talked about this earlier. Why do you think that is? I just think it has got to be due to low production and just the quality of the automobile that, that came out of uh, that part of Italy at that time. You know, so, mm-hmm. the, you know, we're talking about very, very limited production. You're talking about high-quality cars that often have racing history, and uh, they just they've always been held by collectors and people that, that you know hold these thing and things in high esteem and when um, you get to this level of collecting or ownership you are probably going to be cognizant of the other people who own these vehicles or in some cases the museums well, or the institutions let me tell you, ben, 32 million you know buys your way into a very exclusive club very very so i mean i think that's that's part of it is that you know i'm i'm rubbing shoulders with uh you know the other people that can also afford something let's say 25 million two years Mm -hmm. ago or whatever it happened to be but uh you know and the hope is that it will only go up in value that this is an investment it's something that it's something that you know you look at and cherish and you may take it to shows and you you're you're showing off quite a bit of course Mm -hmm. but uh you also own it just for the pride of owning it you know, that's a really good point because mm-hmm. this is not necessarily um, an investment that someone would seek to flip immediately. No, let's say uh, Ralph, Ralph Lauren has it mm-hmm. in, in his collection. Um, he's going to hang on to it. It just becomes part of, you know, something, uh, a bigger whole. Yeah. What, what else we got? Okay. We've got, uh, well, you know what, let's, let's stick with the cars now because I'm going to get into some yeah. crazy stuff in just a little bit here. But um, we've talked about... The Bugatti Veyron at length, right? Right. We've mentioned it often. Yeah, a lot of times. Now, um, the base Veyron, just to give you an idea of the cost of this this vehicle, base Veyron is about a million seven. Which, uh, for a while, the... uh the Veyron, let's just be honest, the Veyron was the world's most expensive car. That's right. So the base, base vehicle was a million seven, and that was expensive. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hedging that. And that, who knew? So then they then they came out with the uh, with the spider edition or the convertible. I don't know what right. it was called, but it was the, the drop top edition. Two point two million, a significant increase to uh, remove the top of the car. Right, 
I would yeah, think. I yeah. can't believe I bought so. a regular Veyron <laughs> like a sucker. And then they came out with the Bugatti Veyron Super Sports vehicle, which up until very recently, Ben, was the world's most expensive production car, not concept car, not race car, mm-hmm. but, a, but a production Street car. Street legal. Exactly, everything. yeah. Bu- this is the Bugatti Veyron Super Sports, and that was about, uh, the base price was $2,400,000. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty expensive, right? That does sound very expensive. The record has been broken. What? Yeah, broken as of very recently. I mean, within uh, within a month of, of, no, I'm sorry, within a year. By whom? Also Bugatti. Ah. Oh. So add, <laughs> get this, add a million dollars to the price of that. So $3.4 million is the, the, the base price. Of, well, actually, you can't say base in this case because it's really. a, this is a special edition vehicle. And something that I didn't know, uh, again, it's a Bugatti Veyron Super Sports Sang Noir is the name of this one. Now, they had another one called the Sang Blanc. Right, okay. And it was slightly cheaper. Uh, not not quite as expensive. I'd say cheaper, but you know, still in the three million dollar range, sure. somewhere around there. Um, Bugatti has actually made thirty different models of the Bugatti Veyron up to this point. Are they all made for order, sort of custom coaches? They are kind of you know like the custom coaches that were made a long time ago. Like uh, you know, Bugatti would have uh, send out uh, the base vehicle to a custom coach maker, and they would be custom built for right. Okay, very similar in except this is a little different. They're they're built ahead of time. But very limited production, like maybe only a few produced, three okay. or four, and then people buy them. You know, they 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 get word through the uh, Bugatti grapevine that these are going to be made. Mm. I'm sure that there's plenty of people taking Bugatti Veyrons out to customizers and having them done, like in the old days they would do. Yeah. But uh, this one is actually one that's just a, a special edition through Bugatti. <laughs> uh, so the Sang Noir. Um, now. Unbelievable! This is the most expensive new car ever to be advertised. Um, it's actually the second edition of the Super Sports model um, that that you know they've come up with. Um, what that gets for you? Yeah, I was going to ask. What do you <laughs> What do you get for this extra million? Extra million. Well, to begin with, you know, it has a little bit more horsepower than the standard Bugatti. It has twelve hundred horsepower, which is about two hundred horsepower more yeah. than the standard version. Um, now, just real briefly, I mean, it's not a whole lot, I'll tell you. Um, you get the body features that are like dual matte, um, uh, black, and glossy. Uh, so you get matte and glossy carbon fiber finishing on the outside. Um, you get a steering wheel ring. You get door sill plates, seats, and an armrest, which have, um, you know, like a distinctive color. This particular one that I'm looking at here is orange. It had an orange color for its owner. I think that's probably custom you know, they decide what color they want. One would hope. And uh, you get transparent rear lights. You get a uh, black anodized EB logo for um, Editor Bugatti. Um, you get a diamond cut alloy wheels. You get uh, aluminum polishing on the roof line. Uh, there's just a, a, a lot, lot of this of is ex- aesthetic, though. Trim. It's all trim. Yeah. And, uh, you know, aside from being a super sports vehicle model, right. which is, you know, the. It the, has the higher horsepower. Exactly. That's the initial appeal of this. But um, <sighs> $3 million Four hundred thousand dollars for an anodized logo. That is I'm the, sorry, and an armrest. That Excuse is three million four hundred thousand dollars. Amaze your friends with that fact that that's the newest, uh, most expensive production vehicle. Can you see that conversation the Bugatti owners are having? Yeah. One of them goes, "Ah, my friend, but this Sangmar yeah. has an armrest." Exactly. I'm sorry. I don't mean that. You know what? That's awesome. If people can have that, so. Do you want to talk about the most expensive oil change? Do I ever. <laughs> I'm glad you do, because that would have been awkward, Scott, if you said, nah. Nah, I'm going to move on. All right, so um, this has a little bit of uh, intrigue to it. 
a Lamborghini was sent from Qatar, or excuse me, from Qatar to Heathrow. Nice pronunciation. Uh, thank you, man. It took me only five years. Uh, <laughs> from the uh, Middle Eastern country of Qatar to Heathrow in uh, the United Kingdom and then flown back. Uh, this was uh, 190,000 pounds uh, in Great British pounds, right? It's already an expensive car, Lamborghini, nice vehicle. Mm -hmm. They don't really know who the owner of the vehicle is. They think he might be uh, a sheik, obviously a man of means. Mm -hmm. Sultan. Uh -huh. And uh, the flight probably cost the owner uh, around 20,000 British pounds, uh, the overall cost of sending it to London for the oil change would have been more than 23,000 British pounds. Whoa. So that – and that costs uh, – that's 20,000 just to fly it and then a little bit more than 3,500 to actually do the oil change. So the, the procedure itself is a very small percentage of the actual over cost. Right, the, right. The price of this was really shipping the vehicle to London. Mm -hmm. And it is a, a Murcielago LP640. Okay, very nice car. Very, very nice car. Mm -hmm. You might recognize it from the Dark Knight. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yep. And um, so it had to clear customs. It had to uh, – <laughs> This sounds like a lot of trouble. It, it, it is a massive amount of trouble. Yeah. It, it makes me wonder if it would have been less expensive to fly the professional that was changing the oil. Sure. In just into Qatar. Sure, you send a uh, you send a flight to uh, you send a plane to Italy, mm -hmm. and bring the person <laughs> you bring the uh, you bring the person back with you. Uh, See, to, but the, to actually perform the oil change in your own garage. But here's the thing: it's a um, it is a little bit of a mysterious story. So yeah. maybe there are some other factors we don't know about. But I still thought it was amazing. A bigger it, service, maybe. Yeah, it does still hold the uh, world record for. The most expensive oil change, but I'm going to argue it holds that record on a technicality because it's all transportation. True. So it's not – we can't accept that as the most expensive routine Yeah, oil because the, the oil change was only 3000 yeah. Again, I say only 3000 Yeah, only like – like uh, that, that equates to about – I'm going to guess 5000 bucks U.S. dollars, something around there. Right, right. That's expensive. That is still expensive. Yeah. Uh, but more in line with what a, a Lambo owner would pay. You know what? Yeah, you don't buy Lamborghinis to save money on oil changes. No, no. All right, let's. Uh, <laughs> what do you got? I got. Um, you know, I one here. I've got a long list here that I'm not going to read. I promise. Okay. But electric cars, world's oh. most expensive electric cars. Now, nice. you know, there's the Fisker Karma, and there's all all the cars that we're kind of used to at this point. The um, Tesla. The Tesla. Yeah. There's a new vehicle that um, that Tesla's coming out with that has. Uh, it's an SUV vehicle. It's something X. Let me just get to the right page here. The Tesla X. Um, yeah, it's. Shoot. The Teslex? Teslex or something like that. But it's an SUV. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of has you know a lot of similar characteristics. Never mind. I'm going to just forget that. <laughs> so the one I really wanted to get to here anyways. Yes. Um, and this is the expensive one. There is a, there's a, a concept out there that's coming out. It's called the, I'm going to say RIMAC. R-I-M-A-C. Okay. RIMAC, RIMAC. Uh, it's called the Concept One. Um, it's going to have 1,088 horsepower. Wow. Um, a 370-mile range, which is pretty good. Yeah. That's a long range, actually. Both of those numbers are very good. A top speed of 190 miles an hour. Um, but the cost, Ben, this thing is going to cost a million dollars. A million-dollar oh. electric car. Oh. Now, I don't know. I don't, I'm don't. i not 
so sure that I'm I'm not ready for this yet. I liked all the numbers except the one at the end. Yeah, yeah, and this is something that it's now it's expected to begin deliveries in thir- 2013. Okay. So you know this is this is on its way. It's not here yet, but. Um, it's a very sleek looking car. It's uh, it's like a supercar design. You know, it's got a lot of uh, I don't know supercar attributes to it. Sure, it's very very low profile. Very aerodynamic. Very yeah. cool looking. But um, I don't know something no we're not used to seeing. Million dollars. A million dollars for a, a a vehicle that right now so far not released. But you know, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that it happens. It's kind of it'd be neat to see one on the road. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. But uh, for me, that seems a little bit out of line. It's definitely asking a bit of a risk. Uh, it's it's asking owners mm-hmm. uh, to take a bit of a risk because, as we said earlier, at this level of car expense, we've got to think of the owners as investors. True. In some way. Yeah, true. And I'm someone's got to be first. Right. And I'm not throwing any dirt on any um, electric vehicle industry uh, at all or company that makes those vehicles. I'm only saying that, given that this is a new vehicle. It's a very high-priced vehicle. It is inherently a slightly more risky investment. Yeah, we've seen this happen. We have. this has been a, this has been kind of a bad year for stuff like that. I mean, Aptera yeah. and mm-hmm. Fisker, mm-hmm. and you know, there's other companies that the have list been, goes on. Yeah, yeah, there have been some troubles. There have been some misses. Yeah, it's all part of it. What's next? Let's talk about. I've got four quick things here, and we should just go through them quick. But okay. I couldn't believe this one, Ben. This is maybe one of the more ast- <laughs> what is it? astounding ones to me. Huh. Um, and let's do it quick. Let's do it quick. In the Middle East, United Arab Emirates, mm-hmm. the, the sultans that decide that, hey, I want the I want a low number on my license plate. That's what's going to make my car exclusive. You know, I've uh, already got I've already got a, a garage full of exotic supercars and, and mm-hmm. luxury vehicles. What am I going to do to make them even even more standoutish? I guess says the sheik. Yeah, that's right. And um, we're talking Ben. They go up there for auction. These license plates go up for auction. Oh. And there are certain numbers that people want. They want low numbers, okay. but also lucky numbers. And, oh, okay. Okay, okay so, so there's this, this whole range of, of license plate prices. Now, there's some for the United Arab Emirates in, in the Middle East. There's some for the United Kingdom. And there's even one here in the United States that I want to mention. But we'll right. do them quick. Okay. Now, we're talking about the, uh, the Middle East again. Sultan paid... $14.3 million for a license plate for his vehicle with the number one on it. 14 point, man, I paid, uh, I paid like 70 something bucks for registration. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now this is, uh, I mean, it, it has for just, the number one. It just says it has the number one. It's a number, for, it's a, uh, there's a number off to the side in red. It says five. There's a series, I guess. Yeah. And this is the number one. He wanted the number one plate, um, paid 14 Point three million dollars, and get this, Ben. One of the reasons now, I had to laugh when I read this. And I think this guy really believes this. I, I, this is um, astounding to me. He says, "I bought it because I want to be the best in the world." Oh, okay. So owning the number one license plate, I hmm. bought it because I want to be the best in the world. Does that? I mean, it just kind of made me chuckle when I read that. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. 
because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I, I don't understand how that makes you the best in the world when you have the number one license plate in uh, wherever this is, somewhere in the Middle East. Well, if we parse the statement, Abu Dhabi. I, if we, I think it's Abu Dhabi, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we parse the statement, then he's talking about his desire to be the best. He's not saying explicitly that the oh, license plate makes I want to be the best in the world. This guy thinks he's the best in the world because he bought number one. Well, it's I, like when you guarantee the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay, okay. Not just happiness. We're not, I'm not going to win this one. So okay, no, there's I'm other, There are other plates that sold for uh, like amounts. There's one that sold for $6.83 million. What is it? Uh, that license plate, believe it or not, it's not number two. What is it? Number five. Number five. Is number five f- a lucky? Number five. I don't know. Number five mm-hmm. sold for $6.83 million, and number seven mm-hmm. sold for $4.6 million. Wow, the price drop. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't understand. Now, in the UK, uh, someone – no, I kind of understand this one, but the price is ridiculous. Someone bought a plate that says uh, just F1. That's cool. Formula One. That is cool. Now, this is a uh, plate that's been registered uh, to the X- Essex Council since 1904. Oh. So it's a historic plate. Sure. I mean, this is an old, old registration number. And a, uh, a businessman um, who's a Formula One fan also um, – Bought this for he bought it for six hundred and fifty six thousand dollars, Ben. Wow! So he bought the right to that at some auction. Uh, Previously, it was on a Volvo S eighty, so it was on nothing really (laughs) special. You know, I mean, nice car, but not not anything spectacular. Right. Um, It was owned by the council chairman of Essex County. Uh, So um, I don't know. Long history on that one. I guess it's worth six hundred fifty-six thousand. I don't know. You know what price can you put on wanting to be the best in the world? Okay. (laughs) 
here in the states. <laughs> okay, not limited to overseas for us, but right. uh, here in Delaware, uh, there's a family, I guess, and this family, the very wealthy individuals, they want to uh, kind of collect these low license plate numbers. This family does. That's they their own, hobby. Yeah, they own other n- plate numbers. They own plate number nine in Delaware. They own plate number twenty-seven in Delaware. This one, plate number six, was just purchased in two thousand eight for six hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. That's wild. So was it at an auction of it's, some sort? It's a Delaware plate that says number six, purchased at auction. That's right. So you buy these things at an auction. It was, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, an Weird. auction, just an auction. You can go buy these things, uh, you know, these low numbers. They're auctioned off. I don't know what cause it goes to, but um, I'm hoping it's a good cause. Gosh, I wonder if another family owns number three or number twenty-seven or number 26 or something. Yeah. And I wonder if they, they have a rivalry. Oh, uh, sure. I uh, <laughs> like the uh, Hatfields and McCoys thing. This is nuts. But we're getting crazier and crazier. Yep. We've got weirder, more expensive yeah, things. Yeah, let's talk about a hotel suite. Now, I'll do the last three fast so we can just get through well, them. Okay? Go, go, take your time. Well, I feel like we're getting a little long of the tooth here. Are we getting a little longer? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, let's uh, – Let's step it up. Your right, time so, is expensive. <laughs> uh, so St. Regis Hotel in New York has unveiled something that they call the Bentley Suite, Ben. Like, uh, as in Bentley as vehicles. As in Bentley vehicles. Yeah, they have, a, uh, uh. they have a couple of suites that are themed already. You know, they have, like, the Dior Suite, the Tiffany Suite, the, the Bottega Suite. Um, so these are luxury branded suites, okay? Okay. Um, they have now opened up the Bentley Suite, which is at a cost of $9,500 per night in Manhattan. And wow. it's about 1,700 square feet. Um, and what it does is it has these little, like, little styling cues that make you think of Bentley. Um, like, they use the, the car maker's trademark details. Like, uh, they have a sleigh bed that's made out of this the signature burled wood that they use uh, in the interior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And get this. They have black leather tile floors in this. So black, black leather tile floors. Weird. So you're walking on black leather tile. I've never heard of this in my life. So this is a, this is something brand new, but $9,500 a night. Huh. And not to be outdone, there's a uh, another one that was just before this one. This is, you know, that that was pretty new, but the one before this that I'd heard of, and I actually read about this one. There's a Jaguar suite in London um, at the Taj Suites. Um, it costs about $8,000 a night. But oh, again, okay. That's a bargain. Again, yeah, and it's bigger. It's 1,800 square feet. Um, but it does have all these other Jaguar signature items, and it is actually designed um, by the director of design from Jaguar, um, uh, Ian Callum, I think is his name. And uh, it uses leather and metal and other high-gloss veneers and things like that that, that are typically you'd find in automobiles to design this suite, and there's a lot of artwork involved in this place as well. But it gives you a feel of Jaguar. Gosh, the history, the heritage. Talk about um, all trim, huh? And not inc- and not only that, but for this eight thousand bucks a night, you uh, you're able to use um, a transport that they provide you that is a chauffeured Jaguar XJ sedan that you can use to get around London, uh, which I think, I mean, that's probably pretty expensive. That's kind of cool. I, I think it is because there's a there's a high tariff involved if you're going to drive a vehicle like that in London. I know, um, mm-hmm. so that is that's something that I think, is, and you get a twenty four hour butler and breakfast. You get all kinds of things involved, you know, that, that are thrown in as a, as an extra. I can't handle it, buddy. If I had a if I had a room like that for a night, I would be so stressed out trying to make full use of it. I guess I would just be calling the butler on my <laughs> cell phone and saying, "Hey, man, um, can you watch TV and just tell me what's going on while this guy drives <laughs> me around to London?" Find something for them to do, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah like order. Uh, 
order room service for uh, people who are outside and ben, don't have I'm, anything to eat? I don't know. Ben, what to I'm do. kind of this way with you know the $75 room down in Florida. You know, when I go down there, it's like, how am I going to make? How am I going to get my $75 worth out of this room? <laughs> Well, hopefully somebody will write in and tell us a little more about it. That is innovative. I, I promise I've only got two left. How many do you have? Uh, I have just some. I, I Don't worry about me, man. I've got what, what I've got to ask, actually, is a question. Okay. Because I think this hotel stuff is all well and good, but we know that the real status symbol is a keychain. <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, the keys that you hold in your pocket all day long or in your purse, that's got to be uh, the, mo- the biggest status symbol, right? I need an upgrade, too. Oh, so. my gosh. Well, you know what? There's, the, there's a segment here for the world's most expensive car keys, as you could imagine. Ah. And uh, the one that's listed as number one, they don't actually give you the price of it, but it comes from the uh, Pagani, you know, oh, the, uh, the, the, the supercar. You know, uh-huh. the, the, I'm going to pronounce this wrong again. I, I do everything wrong. Hoyura, Hoyura, <laughs> It's a new supercar that's coming out from uh, from Pagani. Yes, and uh, the key actually itself looks like the vehicle, which I think is really cool. And okay. you break it, you break it in half. You pull it in half. It's kind of like a almost like a pewter design, like a um, jump drive. It's a metal, yeah, it's got a jump drive, which is crazy. I, it, it looks like a USB stick, but the one half is the key that you use for the vehicle. The other half is a jump drive. You know, a USB really? stick. Wow. Um, but it's it's a cool looking thing. It's like a little handheld. It looks like a matchbox car almost, but it's all metal. Uh, silver thing. That's really cool. Somebody's kid is going to break that. We talked about this in remote keyless entry. Somebody's kid is going to oh, mess yeah, that up. That's right. Push the button 200 times and it's <laughs> all over with, right? Yeah. Uh, the next one that's listed, and I think this is the coolest looking one, is the key for the uh, the Gumpert Apollo. You oh, know, that the, looks uh, like a piece of art, like remember, the hilt of a sword. Remember we talked about the Gumpert Apollo, the, yeah. uh, the, the, the terribly named... Uh, supercar that it's awesome. It's a beautiful guys. Don't let the name turn you off. The it car, is a really beautiful piece of machinery. The car is so cool, and this key, this key, this the, it's a specially designed key fob, uh, and it costs seven thousand dollars, Ben, for this key fob for this vehicle. That might be what I need. And <laughs> it's incredible. It's a handcrafted uh, key that's finished in the finest leathers and embellished with silver and gold. Does it come so on a pedestal? It does. It has a uh, it has a stand for it here. <laughs> I know you can see it. That's that your, really your, is your, a pedestal. Cheating. Though. It is a pedestal. Yeah. But you can mount this thing on a pedestal that, you know, it says um, a new Apollo key world program, something like that. It's got it's got an engraving as well. So it's a it's it's like a work of art. Yeah, I don't know, man. These aren't really doing it for me. I I got maybe what I need is something a little bit Uh, something flashier. Yeah, some a little bit flashier. Oh, so let's say you're driving dignified. around your Ferrari. Okay, there which I is am. Not flashy at all. Right? No, Ferrari's no. not flashy. Well, my Ferrari's black. What so. you really need, you need a, you need a uh, diamond encrusted Ferrari key. I was just gonna say. Yeah, you need a, you need a, uh, a diamond, a bejeweled key that can come out of London. Let's say. Okay. Uh, that would have like well, I don't know, just a ballpark of one thousand one hundred and sixty diamonds. Get out of my head. A, a total carat weight of seven carats. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I mean, this is what we're going to find from this point forward, I guess. Right. Is that, you know, you're, you're attaching things to the key itself. You're going to attach certain type of crystals. You're going to attach diamonds. Mm. So, you know, there's this, uh, there's no list wow. of price in this one, but it, it looks flashy, but how often are you going to see someone's car keys? And, you know, this is, uh, of course, Scott, uh, you and I are joking. I'm not in the market for um, extravagantly priced keys or key, key rings or key fobs. However, um, we are we are being a little bit cavalier, but you guys should know uh, that this is a real 
and booming industry. Oh, it's serious business. It is serious I mean, business. The, the finest jewelers in the finest cities mm-hmm. will make these these specifically for somebody. These Swarovski. are all these are all custom made. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate <laughs> that because I'm not going to say it later because uh, <laughs> they do they make a key for um, I believe it's Mercedes Benz. Um, uh, yes. All they do is they adhere some crystals to the side of the the key fob, really. Well, I think they might take uh, take exception to us phrasing it that way. Yeah. But. Okay. There's more to it than that, and it and it. But it is custom crafted. They're not actually doing much with the key technology itself. It's more about appearance and aesthetic. Yeah, they're doing nothing with the key technology right. themselves. They're, they're just adding a component to this. They mm-hmm. they are bejeweling your key fob <laughs> or your key. Yeah. And uh, the same thing with uh, you know this other one. There's a, there's a Bentley, of course, that has right. diamonds. And uh, we're talking about uh, this one does have a price. Oh, good. Seven thousand eight hundred ninety five dollars for this uh, Bentley key, Ben. A pittance. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. For, <laughs> um, and this one actually only has about one carat weight, like 1.09 carats, where the, is the Ferrari key had a total custom weight of about seven carats. So, mm. uh, God, this might be a bargain. This might be a bargain. No, no, I'm sorry. The other ones, the Ferrari key is a bargain. What's next? The Ferrari key is a bargain. Yeah, no, okay. it's seven carats. I okay. mean, I, I yeah, guess yeah. it gives a price. Maybe it's seven times as much. Mm, Could I see be. what you're saying. All well, right. you know what we should do to be safe? We should get one of each. Probably. Maybe two of each. Maybe that's reasonable. Pull a Noah. That that's, is, that is re- really that reasonable. Is reasonable. You know what's not reasonable? What's that? <sighs> My last item. All right. What is it? This is another Bentley item, okay. as you can imagine. They uh, they love to uh, to add little touches here and there. Mm-hmm. A diamond-studded shift knob for your Bentley, made of leather and, and diamonds, okay? Of course, it has the Bentley logo. Get this. It took 100 hours to complete this shift knob. Um, 30 carats of real diamonds, 10 ounces um, of 18-carat white gold. It's on display, or it was on display, at the headquarters in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, the price of this thing, Ben? That's a shift knob. It's nothing more than a shift knob. Okay, really. this doesn't do anything for the performance. No, no, shift knob. $150,000. What? Yeah. I would be afraid to touch this thing. I would, you know what? I would spend, I'd have to spend $10,000 on gloves that would not somehow damage my $150,000 shift knob. Yeah, like lamb, lambskin something. I, I don't know. I, that's too rough. Too coarse. Too coarse. It needs, it clearly needs to be from an endangered animal. Exactly. Yeah, I would I'd have to have like uh, snow owl gloves. <laughs> Jokes aside, yes, yeah, snow leopard gloves. Jokes aside, Scott, of course, you and I are not condoning uh, massacre of, of uh, endangered animals. And uh, I don't think either of us are really going to be sold on the stick shift. But we just wanted to take a second to examine some of the most outrageously expensive car things. Now, there's a there's a couple things that I think we should skip over. We don't really have time to go into. But I'm just baffled, Scott. It, it really is such a different world mm-hmm. in some places. Yeah, this is so opposite of the way that I think when I'm – buying a car when i'm uh, when i'm you know interested in buying a component for my car mm-hmm. i just don't think like i wonder if i can get that in gold i wonder if i can get that with diamonds all over it mm-hmm. I, I just don't think that way in, in that I, I think more utilitarian i guess mm-hmm. and then i just wanted to get the job done and, and you know be safe or whatever it happens to be but and you and i we both mentioned them, cheap well yeah but no, yeah. there's no in the defense there's nothing wrong with luxury and for some people making this kind of investment they do want it to be unique um, I'm I'm just surprised by how um, 
how far that trend has yeah. gone. See, on a tiny scale, I could see this. Like you and I do this. Yeah. I mean, let's say that you go to buy wiper blades and you want to buy just the 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 not the mid grade one, but you want to buy the best you can buy. Sure, it's a little bit more, but you do it right. Or you want to buy a uh, a new driver's seat because yours is worn out because your your stupid old car has got one hundred and fifty thousand sure. miles on it or sure. whatever. You're going to buy something that's comfortable and that because you know you're going to spend a lot of time in that seat. Mm-hmm. So you want to spend a little bit more money, but like something like a, a, a shift knob that's one hundred and fifty k. I just don't get that. Yeah, I don't I understand mean, it. I I have a hard time with it, but I do get that somebody wants that for the exclusivity. They want to buy themselves into this this club, I guess that you know. Um, and it could point to an item like that and say, like, I have the world's best. Yes, exactly. And that goes with license plate. And some of these things, again, the real estate for the garages or something, some yeah. of these things are defensible because sure. they, they do make sense. Um, Scott, I hate to say it, man, but I got to go because I've got a uh, one of my friends, an unnamed sheik, is flying in a vintage Triumph. And I've got I've to do some work on it. Um, so I have oh, to man. I have to go in a little bit and actually um, hunt down uh, Snow Leopard uh, for the, well, well, we're just doing a little something different with the handlebars. Very Just nice. to customize it a little bit. Um, but before we go, uh, we've got some listener mail. I'd love to hear it. All right, so Kevin writes in to say, Hi, Scott and Ben. I just finished listening to your Hubcap Art Podcast when you asked for reader car art. So here is my unusual art hobby. I build computers that look like cars. Scott, I'm going to hand you some of these pictures. Oh, wow. I'm a big car fan, but I don't have a big enough budget to build real hot rods, so this is a cheaper alternative. This is amazing. Isn't it? I had I had not seen this. Yeah. My wow. My first try was a Corvette. The second was a Hummer. The third was a Batmobile Tumbler, the one that went viral back in 2006, 2007. If you Google Batmobile PC, my work log is still the first listing. That is amazing. The computer car I'm working on now is a 32 Ford Boydster. It's not quite done yet, but I keep because I keep thinking of cool things I want to incorporate into the build. So far, it has a pretty cool 32 LED tail light and a remote control electric trunk lid that opens to access the DVD burner. I've attached a few pictures of my work. If you're interested in seeing the art, it's been a fun and unique hobby incorporating my need for computers and my interest in all things automotive. Now, this Batmobile Tumblr, this is one that anybody can go out and find on Google, right? If you Google now, Batmobile PC. You know, I, I'm guessing that some of this other stuff might be available, too. But yeah. the Hot Rod, I think, is maybe my favorite. Yeah. That is so cool. And this, this is-, is amazing. And, um, Kevin... Uh, this is the first time Scott has seen uh, your work here because uh, I swear to kept the email secret. Sorry, guys. Um, but I thought this would be a really cool listener mail to attach at the end of our world's most expensive car things just to show that if you want something unique, right, if you, if you want something that is only yours and exclusive, then you don't have to spend a million dollars. You can do what Kevin did. And you can find something you love, and you can work on it yourself, and you can build something that I swear to you, if you work hard enough, will be just as good. It may not have as many diamonds on it. It may not get the horsepower you want, but it'll still be great. Yeah, sure. And think of the pride that you'll have after you do something like that, because that's a, that's really good. These work. are pretty cool. That's really neat. That's uh, Thanks, Kevin, for sending that. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. And since, uh, Kevin, since you've got one of these uh, on, on Google already, uh, we're going to assume you're cool. We might put a picture of this later up on our Facebook, where you can find us. Yeah, I don't think uh, he'll have any problem with that. Yeah, and you can also uh, give us a shout-out on Twitter. We want to hear more about 
your ideas uh, regarding car extravagancies. Are you against it? Are you for it? Oh, wait, how, would, how do we say it? Are you for, for it or it? against it? For it or against it. And uh, we also would like to hear, of course, more about your car art. We would like to... Uh, hear what topics you want us to cover in the future and you can tell us all of that by sending us an email at carstuff at discovery.com for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com let us know what you think send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.